always wonder if you walked off the stage that was like maybe I'll stand over here. Good to see everybody today. Morning. Morning. This one. Ron? Can you hear me back there? So if you've been here any amount of time, you know that for years and years I worked for Royers delivering flowers. Valentine's Day week was one of the biggest weeks of the year. Well, I actually don't work for Royers anymore, but we fell into kind of a tradition because Josh No different today. Josh is going to come and he's going to share the word with us. Josh. Good morning. Good morning. So usually in the past when Hub, I would speak for Hub, I would always try and stay in kind of sync with what he was talking about with the church. We've been in Ephesians. And I thought I'd break away from that a little bit because we've been so engrossed with Ephesians that, you know, if you study something and you continuously study that for a while, it kind of kind of drones in and you kind of lose interest and stuff like that. I'm not saying that Ephesians not, is not important. It is very important. But I thought I would speak about something a little different so we're not droning that in and kind of getting tired or bored with that. Because I want Pastor, when he comes back to speak, for us to be attentive and more energetic to listen to that. So I'm going to talk about something that's a little bit different, but yet I think it's still very important, especially with the church now, in the days that we're living with governments and everything like that. And my title is, if it comes up. Isn't that something? <laughs> I gotta go back here. Well, it's not fixed yet, Steve. All right. See, you can teach an old dog new tricks. I'm the hero. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, so my title is The Character of a True Hero. I thought about this. A lot of us growing up, when we're younger, we're always watching, well, for some of us that, you know, had collared TV or even a TV, Steve might, that might have been towards Steve's, like, 30s or something. But, um where we had heroes like Batman, Superman, you know, heroes like that. We always saw them, and a lot of us as kids wanted to dress up and be them, correct? Who, who here went out for, like, trick-or-treat or something like that and wanted to be a superhero, wanted to be Superman or He-Man or something like that? What do all those heroes have in common, though? Liam? Exactly. They wear a costume. They wear a mask. 
So if you see them when they're a hero, you take them as Superman. But how many people saw Superman and was like, oh, hey, there's Carl Kent? No. They hid their true identities. Some people did. He's always got to prove me wrong. That is dumb, but that definitely is my child. But the character of a true hero is not somebody that hides their acts or what they're doing. A lot of, um, especially a lot of us have kids now. And we want, we, as a parent, we always want to be their hero. We want to be the one that they look up to and stuff like that. So our characteristics and our actions should depict a hero. In the Old Testament, in Judges, it says, In those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever, they seemed, whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Back then, they did whatever they wanted, kind of like how our government is now with the whole transgender and all this other stuff. You know, they're doing what they want to do or they're conforming their politics, their rules to please others so they could get their votes and stay in office. During the time of the judges, the people of Israel experienced trouble because they acted on their own opinions of what was right and wrong. This produced horrendous results. If you look at our government now, there are so many things wrong with our government and our world in general, the whole world. It's because they turned away from God. They didn't, they're doing what they want to do. They're not doing what God wants them to do. Today, our world is similar. Individual groups, individuals, groups, and societies have made themselves the final authority without reference to God. When people selfishly satisfy their personal desire at any cost, everyone pays the price. It's not our government got away from what is right and wrong. Now it's what's right, what's wrong, what can we do to please the people? Not how are we going to govern or lead these people. The ultimate heroic act is to submit all our plans and desires and motives to God. In everything that we do in life, when we wake up in the morning, we're not waking up for ourselves. We're waking up to serve God. When we go to work, we're, yes, we're working to provide for our family. How many people actually love getting up and just going to work just to work? Okay, how many of us have a job that like they get up and go to work and not retired? <laughs> Believe me, I'm living for that one too, Steve. We get up to go to work because we're doing it for our families. We're doing it for our children so they have a better life than we have. We're doing it for our wives or our husbands so they're not so stressed out having to provide for everything. We're doing this for others. But at the same time, our main focus for, should be for serving God. We're doing this to please God, to advance his kingdom. If we just sat at home and stayed in our homes and didn't talk or socialize to anybody, how are we to spread the word of God? How are we spread the, supposed to spread the good news? This is why God has given us in our minds the, the chance and the desire to go to work. 
to go to functions outside of family functions like, you know, baseball games or basketball games or, you know, just hanging out with friends. That's opportunities that we have to spread his word and to spread knowledge about him. Men like Gideon, I'm going to say this wrong, this name wrong, Jephthah and Samson are known for their heroism in battle. In the Bible, we read about them, and we read about their, their battles and their victories and stuff like that. But their personal lives were far from heroic. To be truly heroic, we must go into battle each day in our homes, our jobs, churches, and society to make God's kingdom known and enacted there. Our weapons are the standards, morals, truths, and convictions we receive from God's word. So, if we don't read God's word, we don't pray and try to get information from him, how are we supposed to get our weapons to advance the, God's kingdom? He's not just going to come into our front door and say, here you go, Josh, here's your weapons for today. We have to take it upon ourselves to read the word, to pray, to study it. How many people here go hunting or have ever gone hunting or, or shot a gun? How many people, when they shot at the target, hit the bullseye on the very first try? Seriously, Ray, very first try. The gun was sighted in before you got it, wasn't it? <laughs> the very first time, though, hit the bullseye. Okay. Yeah. You were standing more than 20 yards away from it, right? Okay. And it wasn't a shotgun? 50 yards. Okay. But with, with practice, it doesn't come naturally. It takes practice. Just like reading the word and knowing what God wants you to do with his life and how he wants you to spread his word in the world, it takes practice. You have to study. You have to you know, apply it in your lives, which is reading the word, praying, and not just reading the word and praying. When you go out and go into your jobs or your church or um, places with your family, it's acting on it. We will lose if we gather the spoils of earthly treasures rather than seeking the treasures of heaven. If all we do is live our lives for ourselves, God's kingdom is never going to advance. It says in the, it says in the Bible that Jesus is not going to come back until everyone in the world knows him. Everyone in the world has at least heard about him. How is everybody in the world going to hear about him if we just sit in our homes and don't do anything? How many love the world that we're living in today and wouldn't change it for anything? It's not going to get any better until Jesus comes back and saves us all again. He did it once on the cross, and he's going to do it again when he comes back and takes us to the new earth. In Isaiah 5.13, it says, So my people will go into exile far away because they do not know me. Those who are great and honored will starve, 
and the common people will die of thirst. The nation's heroes and leaders, the great and honored, would suffer the same humiliation as the common people. Why? If they were heroes and they were leaders, why would they suffer just like everybody else? Because they lived by their own values rather than God's. They lived by what they thought was right, not by what God was telling them was right. Today we idolize media, business, entertainment, and sports figures because of their money, their fame, and the ability to live as they please. A lot of us fall into the, the um, stereotype of, or not stereotype, but the vision of when you see somebody on TV and you see what they have, you're like, oh man, I wish I had that house. Oh man, I wish I had that car. Technically in the Bible, that's, um, what, what's it called? Uh, co- um, coveted, yeah. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be happy with what you have and what God has given you. And believe it or not, if you look at those people, not all those people are going to heaven when they die. Because they take their job, they take their possessions, and they put them above what God wants them to do. So you have to look at yourself and you have to think, are your heroes those who defy God or those who defy the world in order to serve God? One of my favorite, favorite, one of my favorite channels used to be the Hallmark Channel. Used to be. Yes, believe it or not, ask her in. I have not watched Hallmark in a while. It used to be a Hallmark channel because it was a Christian channel. A lot of the shows on there, yes, were fantasy, you know, boy meets girl, boy doesn't like girl, boy and girl fall in love. Yeah, it's all fake. But it was one of my favorite shows. It gave me an idea of, you know, how life could be. What do I got to do, you know, to get that? But the more and more I watched Hallmark, it was a Christian channel. But now there's so many things on there that is not in line with God and with Christianity. They have gay relationships on there. You know? They have other, other little things that are not right. I don't watch it anymore just because of that. If I took a blind eye to that and been like, oh, well, you know, that's their thing. It doesn't affect me. It wouldn't be right. It's not what God wants. I still do watch Hallmark. I will not lie to that. However, when I see a show come on, I can even be halfway through the show, and Corinne can testify to this. I do not like stopping a show and then starting halfway through a movie halfway through. But I'll be watching it, and a scene like that comes on, and I turn it off. I switch the channel. I go to something else. It's not right. We have to think about what is right in our lives. First Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. Jabez is remembered for a prayer rather than a heroic act. In his prayer, he asked God to, one, bless him, two, 
Help him in his work by expanding his territory. Three, be with him in all he did. And four, keep him from trouble and pain. He didn't do this for selfish reasons. He did this, he prayed this prayer because he knew God as the true center of his life. When we pray for God's blessing, we should also pray that he will take the rightful position as Lord over our work, our family time, and our recreation. It's not good just to go to God and say, hey, bless me, and then you walk away and do whatever you want. Obeying him is a daily responsibility, and it's the way to live a heroic life. In Esther 8.15, does everybody know the story in Esther of Mordecai? The Jews were being persecuted. Esther took a position as queen now, and Mordecai, I believe, was her uncle. They worked in the backgrounds to get the Jews to stop being, um, the Israelites or the Jews to stop being persecuted. And in the very end, after all their schemes and their, you know, working in the background, Mordecai became, came out on top. Then Mordecai left the king's presence, wearing the royal robe of blue and white, the great crown of gold, and an outer cloak of fine linen and purple. And the people of Susa celebrated the new decree. There was a new decree that, ma- that was made. There was one that was made and said something to the effect of the, all the Jews were going to be wiped out, dead. After all their things, it came that none of the Jews were going to be wiped out. Everyone wants to be a hero and receive praise, honor, and wealth. But few are willing to pay the price. Mordecai served in the government faithfully for years, and he bore Haman's hatred and oppression and risked his life for his people. He didn't do it for himself. He could have died. It would have been easy to be like, well, I'm, not, I'm in the government. I'm safe. They don't know anything about me. I'm good to go. Instead, he put everything out there and did what he knew was right for his people. He was faithful in obscurity. The price to be paid by God's heroes is long-term commitment to him, whether or not they receive recognition. A lot of us, when we do the little things we do to spread God's word, we're not going to get recognition here on earth. But when Jesus comes back and looks at the Bible or looks at the the book of life and sees what you did, he's going to know everything. You'll get your reward then. We got to ask ourselves, are we ready and willing to pay the price to serve God? In Acts 28:31, he welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no no one tried to stop him. In the book of Acts, if you really read the book, there's a lot of heroes in Acts. Some 
names might come up that you're not even going to recognize, which I'll go through in the next slide. But the book of Acts deals with the history of the early Christian church and its expansion in ever-widening circles, touching Jerusalem, Antioch, Ephesus, and Rome, the most influential cities in the Western world at that time. It's sort of like today. Our church is already established. However, there's still parts of the world out there that don't know about Jesus. There's even parts of our own towns and our own um, state that don't know about Jesus. We don't have to go to the ends of the earth to spread his word. We can do it right here while we're at home. Acts also shows the mighty miracles and testimonies of the heroes and martyrs of the early church. Peter, Stephen, James, and Paul. The Holy Spirit worked in the lives of ordinary people. Don't think that just because you're an ordinary person, he can't use your life. He can't touch, he can't use you to spread his word. These people were merchants, travelers, even slaves, jailers, church leaders, men and women, Gentiles, Jews, rich and poor. No matter where you are in life, God can use you to spread his word. Many unsung heroes of the faith continued to work through the Holy Spirit in succeeding generations, changing the world with a changeless message. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of all who call on him. Today, we can be the unsung heroes in the continuing story of the spread of the good news. It is that same message that we are to take to our world so that many more may hear and believe. Luke ends Acts with the victorious declaration that the proclamation of the kingdom of God continued unhindered. Just because all those people were persecuted and stuff like that, the very end of Acts, it came out the way God wanted it to. His message was still being spread. Everything that the, the Jews and stuff did to, to stop him, to stop his message, didn't work. Jesus has overcome the world and will one day return as King of Kings. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing can stop God from working in and through us. If you go through Acts, try to read it and try to remember some of these unsung heroes here. In, the bio, in Acts, let me pull up my notes here. Starting in chapter 3, verse 9 through 12, there was a crippled man that got healed. His heroic action was after his healing, he praised God. As the crowds gathered to see what had happened, God used that chance to allow Peter the opportunity to tell many more about Jesus. Everyone familiar with the Bible has heard of Stephen and many know of Philip. But there were also five other men chosen to be deacons. 
Not only did they lay the foundation for service in the church, but their hard work also gave the apostles the time they needed to preach the gospel. We all look at Hub to lead this church and to speak for this church. A lot of us know about our elders that we have. We were put in that position to take a lot of the responsibility in the church off of the pastor, so that gives him more time to read and to pray, to prepare his sermons, to lead the church. If we all looked at Hub and just gave him all the responsibility, he would get overwhelmed. Just because you're not an elder in the church or a significant part of the church, that does not mean that you can't be of service to the church. We have the building and grounds, which Jamie Bush has taken over now. Can't do it all on his own. He needs help. That could be your heroic act to help the church to advance the kingdom. If you read further on in Acts, you get to chapter 9, and you'll read about Ananias. He had the responsibility of being the first to demonstrate Christ's love to Paul after his encounter with Jesus on the way to Damascus. If it wasn't for him helping Peter, Peter could have been killed or anything, and the spread of, or Paul, yeah, sorry, Paul. It's still P, but I know, it, it's, it, it's the point. He could have been killed, and the spread of Jesus' word would not have gotten out. Further on is Cornelius in chapter 10. God used his example to show Peter, I got that one right, that the gospel is, all, is for all people, both Jews and Gentiles. We could be living in a world today if it wasn't for Cornelius, and only the Jews knew about God and not the Gentiles. It's little things that God used through Acts that advances his kingdom and established the foundation for our church. Further on, you'll read about Rhoda, James, Lydia, Jason, Paul's nephew, and Julius. Every one of these people, a lot of us probably have never heard of Lydia or Jason, correct? But they all played a significant role in the advance and the foundation of our church. As we go through our life, a lot of people would probably never even hear about me. But that does not mean that I can't do my part to advance God's kingdom. Just because I'm not going to be in some book in, like, you know, they're teaching in history in college or something like that, or even elementary school, that doesn't mean that I can't do my part. Because the only one that really needs to know my name is God when I get to heaven. In Ruth you'll hear, how many people know the story of Ruth and Boaz? I'm, I'm glad you guys do, because I know it too. But. Hi. In Boaz, you hear about um, Naomi and Ruth. Ruth's husband died. She had nowhere to go, so she went to her, I believe it was mother-in-law, Naomi's house and stayed with her. She 
she was going out to the fields of a distant family member, Boaz, and she was actually going behind and picking up all the little scraps that were left behind in secret. So later on in the story, Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in the field. He could have kicked her off his property, had her arrested, done any, any numerous things. But instead, he showed compassion and said, he didn't even know she was a family member at that time. He said, go behind my women and take whatever you need. He even later on told his workers, take some of the grain and drop it on purpose and allow her to pick it up. Do not stop her. Don't you know, chastise her or anything. Heroes are easier to admire than to define. They are seldom conscious of their movements of heroism. And others may may not recognize their acts as heroic. To be a hero, you simply do the right thing at the right time. Whether or not they realize the impact their actions will have. Perhaps one... Perhaps the one quality they share is the tendency to think of others before they think of themselves. Boaz was a hero. In his dealings with others, with other people, he was sensitive to their needs. His words to his employees, relatives, and others were colored with kindness. He offered help openly, not grudgingly. When he discovered who Ruth was, he took several steps to help her because she had been faithful to his relative Naomi. When Naomi advised Ruth to request his protection, he was ready to marry her if the legal complications could be worked out. In the story, there was actually one other closer family member that was a male that she would have to marry in order to be a part of the family to be taken care of. So Boaz went to this person, said, you know, you, have, you can marry her. But if you marry her, you get all of this land and all of this other stuff. And that family actually said, uh, no, I'm good. We're good to go. I don't need that. So Boaz married her. He didn't know that marrying her at that time was going to affect Christianity or our lives at all. Boaz not only did the right thing, what was right, he also did it right away. He didn't wait and say, I'll let things, you know, play out like they do, and I'll step in when I got to. He knew something needed to be done, and he did it right then and there. Of course, he could not foresee all that his actions would accomplish. He could not have known that the child he would have by Ruth would be an ancestor of both David and Jesus. It was, if it wasn't for him doing that one little kindness act, not foreseeing the future, he, Jesus would have never been born. David would have probably never been born. The, the descend, he came through Boaz and Ruth's child. He only met the challenge of taking the right action in the situation facing him. 
He didn't look at the plans for the future. He didn't say, how is this going to benefit me? How is this going to advance, you know, my land, my business, or anything like that? He did what was right when it needed to be done. We need to ask God to give us special awareness in our choices today and a renewed commitment to make the right ones. Some of Boaz's strength and accomplishments were, and these are things I think we can all try to live up to or try to put in our lives. He was a man of his word. When he said something, he stuck to it. He was sensitive to those in need, caring towards his workers. He had a keen sense of responsibility and integrity. He knew what he needed to do, and he knew when he needed to do it. He was a successful and shrewd business person. Sometimes that can be a good thing. Sometimes it can be a bad thing. But we have to go to God and pray to God and allow us to know when's the good thing and when's the bad. Lessons from his life, he did what must be done, and doing it right can be heroic. God often uses little decisions to carry out his big plan. Just because it's something small like, you know, helping an elderly lady across the road or, you know, helping a single mother put groceries into her car or something like that, you know, that doesn't have to be, you know, something that we say, oh, well, you know, somebody else can help her or she's got this, she's got three kids, but she can put them in the car and then put her groceries away. Those little things can show people what Christ is like. It could give you an opportunity to talk about them when they say, oh, thank you, bless you. That gives you an opportunity to say, oh, well, thank you. Can I, can I bless you? Can I pray for you? It gives you an opportunity to spread God's love, to spread word about him and his son. I really don't have an application for my message. The only thing I can ask is that we take a look at our lives that we see how we are living now, how we are going through our days from the time we wake up until the time we lay our heads down. If we look back over our day, can we say that I took every opportunity that was given to me today by God to advance his kingdom, to speak about him, and I used it? Or do we have to look at our lives and say, okay, so how did I drop the ball today? What can I do better for you, Lord, tomorrow to advance your kingdom? How can I be of better service to you, Lord? Not how can God be a better service to us by granting our prayers and our, our blessings. How can I help you and be a soldier, a warrior for you, Lord? Thank you. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate that word. Again, good to see everybody. We'll close out with worship. And especially the last song. If you want to get ex excited, you, you want to clap, you want to dance a little bit, we have a song we haven't played for a long time as our closing song. I think we do. 
Am I correct in that? God's great dance floor. Yes, okay. Will you stand with us to close out in worship, please? <laughs>